On the journey towards ditching your job, there are a lot of challenges you have to face. And to beat down each challenge that comes your way, it's vital to have confidence. There's not going to be an external force that saves you, that magically whisks away the challenge. It's going to be you and it's going to be your confidence that lets you get through that challenge. So we're going to be talking about how do we boost our confidence? How do we kill off some of the habits and things that take away from our confidence. So we've got a lot of great stuff coming up on this episode of Ditch the Job. We're joined by a guest who is known as the confidence expert. She helps coaches, healers, speakers, and writers to build their confidence so that they can share their gifts through private and group coaching, webinars, and workshops. Her new book, Love Your Way to Success, reveals five keys to confidence for creative women entrepreneurs. Our guest who joins us for this episode of Ditch the Job is none other than Moira Shepard. Moira, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you. I am so happy to be here. Moira, it's a pleasure to have you on Ditch the Job. And thank you guys for choosing to tune into Ditch the Job today because there's a lot of different options. So we're always happy and grateful when you guys choose us. And confidence is certainly something that we all need, uh, especially if you want to make the move to ditch your job because a lot of people, they see that job as a secure stream of income. Maybe not as much right now, but they do see it in, like generally as that secure stream of income. So I wonder if you could share with us from the transition point, how do we stay confident in ourselves and what we're going towards even when it's the scary unknown? Well, I had plenty of scary unknown to be dealing with. I had been in the same soul-sucking corporate job in media for 10 years, and I had supervisors who used to take me to lunch and say, we love you, you're the rock of the office, but there is so much more to you. I see so much potential in you, and, and um, really love to see you to do something with it. So they were lovely and supportive, but I just stayed and stayed and stayed. And finally, it got to the point one day where you might say an angel kissed me on the spine and said, baby girl, you're out of here. And that angel kissing me on the spine took the form of a back injury on the job. I lifted a 50-pound box of magazines, which was no big deal. I was a gym rat, worked out every day for 20 years. That day, it was a big deal. I went home after work feeling happy, felt only the tiniest twinge, and woke up at 3.30 in the morning, suddenly just in terrible pain, my spine was on fire, and what was really frightening was that I could not move. I was completely paralyzed, so it was like my body had become a cage, a jail, and I can't tell you how frightening that was. So I, I got kind of shoved into the unknown quite unceremoniously, you might say, and I ended up in bed for seven years with this back injury, and I spent six of those seven years bombed out of my mind on Vicodin or other narcotic painkillers. So there was not really a framework, a mental framework or emotional framework for me to do anything like, what am I going to do with my life beyond, okay, do I shower today or do I eat today? Hmm. Debate, debate, because I could only be vertical for very short periods of time. The paralysis passed after about four years and five failed back surgeries. It was when I started seeing alternative healers that I was finally able to get vertical for more than a few minutes a day. So I could shower and eat on the same day, which was awesome. Wow. And 
one of the best practitioners I found was the first one I found. He was a hypnotherapist and he taught me how to control the pain with my mind to such an extent that as soon as I got home from that first appointment, I called my doctors up and say, I want you to give me a taper down program on the um, painkillers because I, I want to get off of them. And thankfully, my doctors were on board with that. And within three months, I was off the narcotic painkillers and gradually... I started kind of becoming a person again instead of this, this lump floating, on, floating through the days that I had been. And once my brain started functioning more like a brain and less like cotton candy, I got really restless. I still couldn't be vertical for very long, but I really wanted to do something. I just ached to be productive again. So I thought, okay, one thing that I know I know how to do is write. So I contacted my... Um, vocational rehab counselor, since this was a worker's uh, disability, worker's compensation disability. And he said, well, this thing called the internet happened while you've been away. And while it's clear you won't be able to go to a brick and mortar school to get trained in anything, we absolutely can set you up with a laptop computer, find a desk that rolls right over your day bed so you can study school online. And so I opened my first business from my day bed as a copywriter. I wrote web content. I wrote uh, promotional material for brochures, business cards, um, blogs, and my clients had no idea of my condition wow. because everything was done by by phone and email and fax. I'm dating myself a bit, but there was a time kind of like back when Amazon just sold books. That was when I first started getting into the internet realm. And what I found was that if there was ever a time to be stuck in bed for seven years and then finding something else to do. This was the perfect time to do it because, and this is true now more than ever, there are so many tools available for people to work online from their home, whatever their physical condition, what, whatever their, their uh, circumstances may be. They can work from home. There are all these tools and technologies available for you to be able to get out there and put up your websites, launch your podcast, get your book written and up online. So there were a lot of great resources there. And I basically, since I had nothing but time, <laughs> I basically went through the entire GoDaddy software website building program and started building my own website. And that was, that was good and satisfying to an extent. And I started reaching out more to other entrepreneurs because I really wanted to be with people. I was kind of scared because I hadn't seen a stranger in like seven years, mm -hmm. but um, I really wanted to get out there and meet other people who are doing what I was doing so I could learn from them, share anything that I might be able to share with them. So I started going to a networking group that was just a mile from my home, which was perfect. That was about my driving range at that point. I could drive a mile, but then I had to lie down. So I had one of those plastic chaise lounge chairs like you lie out on in the backyard or on the beach. And I just kept it in my trunk. And the people who organized this women's spiritually oriented networking group uh, were really lovely about it. I said, I need to lie down. I'll bring my own bed. Is that okay? They said, sure. Yeah, fine. Whatever you want. Just, just come to the meetings. So I started going to these meetings. And at one of them, the speaker, Christopher Howard, talked about how you can change your mind and change your life. And he said, since you're all entrepreneurs here, I'm going to give you some post-hypnotic suggestions that you're going to come up with at least three $1 million ideas over the course of the next seven days. And I went to bed really excited that night because I already knew I was a good hypnotic subject. 
And I woke up again at, well, 3.30 in the morning out of sound sleep. My bedroom was filled with a soft golden light and these voices coming from, I couldn't say where, were saying, Moira, it is time for you to get out of bed and heal the world. And I was just feeling like, ah, okay. <laughs> it happened like that. <laughs> Cause, cause how do you say no to that? <laughs> <laughs> now, when I started off, because I, I had no confidence whatever that I could heal myself, I had no confidence whatever that I could heal anybody else, being a healer had never crossed my mind in all of my years before. That was just like so out of my radar. Um, that, but it was suddenly like something in my soul woke up and I had no idea what I was going to do or how I was going to do it, but I did know I am doing this. I am doing this. It, and I, I mean, I do feel like a lot of people have that, like, I know I want to do this, but I have no idea how. And I mean, you were able to take it and make it your own, but how did you do that? How were you able to successfully say like, you know, I don't know how to do this. I may not have confidence yet, but I'm going to approach this and gain the confidence that I need. That's right. I started off with the confidence that I did have, which was not in myself, but I believed in the calling. I believed in the calling. I wanted to be true to it. And I wanted to be true and of service to whoever or whatever it was that called me. So it seemed clear that the very first thing I was going to need to do was to get out of bed. I was going to need to get better. Now, I had been trying for those seven years to trying and trying to get back to my little old life so I could go back to my safe little corporate job and nothing worked. But somehow to be of service for that, I could get out of bed. I started challenging myself to spend more time vertical to build up my atrophied muscles. I signed up for a training as a healer with Christopher Howard, the speaker who sparked, who catalyzed this, this whole um, awakening. And so I spent three weeks with him learning uh, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, public skills, uh, speaking skills presentations. And two days into this 21-day training, I was in a bad way. My spine was on fire and I was really scared. I wasn't going to be able to do the next 19 days of the training. But I thought, you know, if I'm going to start being a healer, this is, this is where it feels right to start. Whatever this guy did sparked something. Let's, let's follow the spark. So I started off by go fo focusing on, okay, this worked. So let me learn how to do this for myself and then for others. Well, that day, the second day of the 21 day training, uh, that was the day that Christopher talked about Dr. John Sarno, who apparently is, is uh, well-known in lower back pain circles. John Sarno's contention is that if you've had proper treatment for your injury and you are still hurting after six weeks, it's something emotional or mental going on. It's not a physical matter at that point. So I thought, okay, let's try that out. It's been well over six weeks since my last back surgery. So I went home and I sit down to have a little chat with my spine. I say spine in the most neutral, scientific curiosity kind of voice I could summon. Spine, what's up with the pain? And I heard this little voice saying, you've had a really hard time. You've struggled a lot. We want to keep you safe. So we're keeping you in bed. So I thought about that for a minute and I said, okay, that's legitimate. 
I can understand that. I want to be safe too. Does it make sense that I will be more safe and protected if I'm healthy and strong instead of weak and debilitated? And there was this little pause. And then the voice said, I never thought of that. The pain went away that second. That second. It has never come back. I don't even take aspirin for back pain anymore. It wow. just went away. So I mean, that told it, it, it goes it goes really deep into uh, you know how your mental mindset uh, really impacts the progress you make towards your goals and always having the right mentality. Moira, something very important she mentions is her mentor. So it is good to surround yourself with mentors, whether it's a networking event mile away or something digital like a Facebook group. And uh, for some people who plan on ditching their jobs, like they have the six months saved up, they're ready to go, they've been planning for a year. But then you have someone like Moira who didn't plan for this at all. And it was just um, an injury suffered at the workplace. And like, how did you cope with like the unplanned exits and how did that, because you were talking about that like a little bit, uh, how you, you were like how you were talking with your subconscious, with your spine. And, uh, I'm wondering like, how did that experience of the unceremonious exit as you refer to it impact your ability to be confident and then what advice would you have for people who have that unceremonious exit for that unceremonious exit in retrospect what i what i've come to see is that there were all kinds of little signs while i was on the job telling me to get out of there i didn't i didn't heed them but for any but for the reference of our listener um one of the signs was Every time I saw my boss's car parked in the lot, I would feel this sinking pit of dismay in the pit of my stomach. Even though I really liked and respected my boss and we got along really well, I just did not feel good when I saw that he was going to be in the office for the day. So that was one piece. Another piece was that um, projects went on way too long. The project that I'd been working on when we were when at the time the back injury happened, that was, some, that was a mailing of like 150 magazines. That should have taken a day. Somehow it got stretched out into three weeks and three temps doing the work. I don't even remember why. This was some time ago. But it was like this project just went on and on and on well past its normal time. So that showed me that um, there were, it, was, it was time for me to go, even though I didn't want to look at that at the time because I was really married to that paycheck. I was really married to that security and I wanted to hold on to it for as long as possible. Um, but it really, honestly, it was a relief in a way that I had an extremely respectable excuse to never set foot in that office again. So to cope with that sudden unceremonious exit from the job, I would say, look at... I don't want to go all sunshiny, you know, Pollyanna, you know, rainbows and unicorns and all of that, but do, do look for the positives about why this would be a good thing. Be honest with yourself and think to yourself, am I really sorry this job has left my life? Am I, have I been ready to go for a while, but I just couldn't make myself go? And that helps you to have more of a sense, not necessarily of control, but of a sense that, um, this is something that's happened for your benefit. 
maybe you couldn't make the exit by yourself. So something or someone engineered an extremely respectable reason for you to be able to say, I'm sorry, I can't come in today or tomorrow or next week or ever. So that's, that gives you an, that returns to you an element of agency. I think it's also really important to acknowledge that when something sudden happens to you, like you have a major life change overnight that you never see coming, it's really important because you've got, your emotions are going to be all over the place. So it's important to realize you are in mourning. You are grieving for your job. Even if you're kind of glad that you never have to go back there again, you're going to be grieving. You're going to be going through what uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross identified as the five stages of grief. You're going, there's going to be shock and denial. Oh my God, how could this happen? This is terrible. Oh my God, the world has come to an end. Holy cow, what do I do now? Um, this can't be happening. There must be a mistake. The next stage of that grief is uh, the feeling of anger. You know, how dare they do this to me? How dare they treat me this way? Or in the case of something unforeseen like an accident, you know, how could God abandon me and let this terrible thing happen to me? That's terrible. God sucks. Life sucks. My boss, whatever. Somebody to blame. Um, the third stage of the grief is negotiation. Sort of a feeling of, you know, if I just do this or that, will you let me come back? If I just stop doing this or begin doing that, can I just, you know, kind of creep back into my little old life where I was safe and comfortable? And um, the, the, the third, the fourth stage of grief is sadness, very natural sadness and just the, the feeling of grief and mourning, like, oh my gosh, this is over. This has been part of my life for a long time. So you're going to be sad about the paycheck, but you're also going to be sad about the benefits. You're going to be sad about... The, the sudden loss of structure in your day. I started, I started creating structure in my day when I started realizing that I was missing that just by going, with, okay, there's a rerun of the 1950s series Perry Mason at 11 o'clock every day. So this is what I'm going to do before Perry Mason, and this is what I'm going to do after Perry Mason, just to give me a little kind of anchor in the day, something to look forward to, something to say, okay, that's over, what do we do next? So finding some kind of structure in my suddenly unstructured day. The last stage of the grief is acceptance, realizing that it happened without the judgment, but just realizing, you know, good or bad, ugly or, or, or marvelous, it happened. It happened. It's... It can be a state of surrender almost that you go into, which is different from defeat. Defeat is giving up. Surrender is giving over. Okay, I'm in a trans I've been thrust into this transitional phase in my life. I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing. But I can choose to have confidence that somehow I'm going to get through this, that I'll find the help I need that I have resources within myself as yet undiscovered. Like I had no idea I was a great intuitive healer <laughs> until that second day of my training. I had no idea I had that gift. Um, and, and just realizing that there are places to go within yourself because it's important to recognize that confidence is a choice like love or success. You decide, okay, I'm going to let myself fall in love with this person. You decide, I'm going to build this toward success. You can also decide to be confident. Confidence has a lot of different dimensions to it because we have multiple dimensions as human beings. We've got aspects of mental confidence, emotional confidence, physical confidence, 
spiritual confidence and the kind of confidence that I relied on when I first set out in this work, which is to be in service to something greater than myself. So you may not have all of those pieces of confidence all at once. They can all be developed. They can all be learned to be able to, to take one kind of confidence and kind of polish it up to a high sheen and lean on it, deepen it, um, let it, let it infuse every, every part of your life. Like if you have emotional confidence, which is one of the most challenging kinds of confidence to have because emotions come and go like the tide. Uh, this is, which is one of the reasons why confidence, you're confident one day and not so confident the next. But when you can find that emotional confidence, then you can start feeling like, okay, I am here. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other and see what happens. So that's a matter of being present instead of regrets or anger or judgment about what happened in the past, judgment against yourself, your mistakes, or the thing that got you out of that job unexpectedly, and staying out of the future where you're projecting all of your anxiety and what if it doesn't work out, what if it doesn't happen. That doesn't really serve you because what you focus on expands. So if you start looking at this, this, this dreadful future you're afraid you're going to have, you're going to start formulating it. You're going to start turning that into a reality, which is why I emphasize how important it is to think about what you want and to go toward that as opposed to thinking about what you do not want. Mm. In, in, in Unity, they teach that our thoughts are prayers. So it pays to be mindful, but what are you praying for? Are you praying for disaster or are you praying for success? Are you, are you, are you praying for smallness and safety? Or are you praying for expansion and service and living up to your full potential? A place to begin with spirit, with the, with the emotional confidence that can be so elusive, is a very simple exercise, and I can take us through that right now, Mark, if you're if you're open to that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so for emotional confidence, a lot of that is rooted in feeling safe, and I'm sorry to say that the majority of people I've worked with on confidence have never felt safe in their lives. They have no idea what it feels like to feel safe. We can tap into that very easily by tapping on the thymus, which is a little gland on your breastbone, your sternum. It's, it's uh, usually about, say, four inches below your collarbone. And usually you can tell you found the thymus when you just tap the air in front of your breastbone. And suddenly you go, ah, or your muscles suddenly relax. And you realize, oh, okay, here I am feeling safe in this moment. So you can actually tap the gland itself. It's very tender, so I don't advise tapping very hard. Even if you're scared, just tap it very, very gently. But what I find often works even better is to tap the thymus a couple of inches in front of your best bone. Um, just tap the air in front of it. It taps more into the energy of the thymus gland, which is safety. I, I teach this to people when they're, when they're going to a job interview, when they're getting ready to do some public speaking, when they're getting ready to do a presentation, when the airplane takes off or lands. <laughs> can be feeling, there are a lot of times we want to feel safe. So if, somebody, if someone listening has, has just had that experience of their job has fallen away, they didn't leave the job, it left them. I know how hard that is. And one of the most challenging things is to feel like you're ever going to be okay again. 
There's no knowing sometimes with, well, most of the time. <laughs> what am I saying? All the time. There's never any knowing what the future holds. What we can do is be present in the moment and tap into that feeling of being safe by tapping on the thymus. And so letting that physical sensation of safety spread from your chest to your shoulders, your arms, your hips, down the length of your legs, along your arms, up into your brain. So you can start feeling safe right away. And this is something you can do at any time. It's super simple. And I love how simple that exercise is. And uh, there's also, there's a lot of mindset and mentality that goes into it, but also the physical side, like exercises like those, stretching and other things like that really help with your confidence. And it gives you a sense of victory. It gives you a sense of being sure of yourself. And uh, part of being confident is asking yourself those tough questions, like an area you're not confident in, like, why am I feeling this way? And get deeper and keep questioning until the lack of confidence is gone and you fully embrace the confidence that we all can truly embrace. I know Moira is the confidence expert, which we talked about earlier, and her book will be in the show notes. Is there anywhere else we could go to keep following your work and journey? I have several free resources available to help people build their confidence on their own, and they can find them at my website, moirashepherd.com. That's M-O-I-R-A, Shepherd, S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. And you'll find several free confidence building resources there, and you're welcome to help yourself to any or all of them. We'll have that link down below in the show notes. Moira, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure having you on Ditch the Job. Thank you. It's an honor, Mark. Really appreciate it.